This episode deals with the subject of domestic violence. If you or someone you know is experiencing domestic violence, contact the National Domestic Violence Hotline by calling 1-800-799-7233. If you are unable to speak safely, you can log on to thehotline.org or text LOVEIS, one word, to 22522. Please be safe. Today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Soberlink. The Soberlink system is designed to make parenting time safer with real-time remote alcohol monitoring. Soberlink uniquely combines a breathalyzer with wireless connectivity and is the only system that includes facial recognition, tamper detection, and advanced reporting. Parents can submit a test anytime, anywhere, thanks to Soberlink's wireless technology, which delivers test results by text message or email to the concerned parties. Simplify co-parenting arrangements by using the system that provides transparency and proof of sobriety throughout the day. Flexible schedules combined with real-time delivery of results make Soberlink the experts in remote alcohol monitoring technology. To learn more or sign up today, visit Soberlink.com backslash family law. Use promo code BEYOND20 to receive $50 off a device. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. They say, oh, I can't believe I was so weak. I can't believe I let myself get into this position. I can't believe that I was so... Um, so vulnerable. I go, no, so you were too strong because someone weaker would have, would have bailed, would have walked away, would have said, I can't handle this. But because you are so strong and you wanted so badly to fix things and to make everything work, you stayed and you kept trying. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and today my guest and I will be talking about a very important topic, but it's difficult. It's how to safely plan your escape from an abusive relationship. I have a really special guest today to help me cover this topic, Victoria McCooey. Thank you for joining me today, Victoria. Thank you for having me, Susan. So I want to give people a little information about you. Um, You are a transformation coach. You know I love that title um, because I don't know anyone else who is a transformation coach. Uh, But you're also a motivational speaker and the creator of the Reclaim Your Power system. Um, You work with women, um, and I always point out on my show that a lot of the information we may reference women, but your information is relevant for men as well who are also in abusive relationships. And that may be something maybe that people don't know, but uh, it goes both ways. But you work with women who are in controlling or otherwise abusive marriages or relationships to help them stand up to their abuser, which can be dangerous, 
and regain control of their lives. Um, you've written many articles and you've been featured on a lot of websites, Dr. Laura, Hitch Magazine, Thrive Global, Global uh, Divorce Force. Um, you've been on Narcissist Abuse Support Channel, Women of Strength TV, Divorce Mommy Podcast, you know, a myriad of outside sources. I'm thrilled to have you with us today. Um, and so thank you for joining me and thank you for being willing to address this topic. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an important topic. And um, I really feel that the more we talk out openly about our experiences around this, the more willing other people who find themselves in these positions will reach out for help. I agree with you 100%. That's why I'm so glad we're doing this topic. Um, you know, one of the things recently that came out in the news that kind of led me to think we should talk about this is Reese Witherspoon, the actress. Um, if, if there's anyone out there who doesn't know who she is, I shouldn't have to explain, I realize. But Reese really came, recently came out in an article and talked about a past abusive relationship she was in and how difficult it was to get out of it. And uh, you and I talked about this right before we started taping. I very much admire her for being a woman who is in the world in a position of power, who was willing to be vulnerable enough to talk about having been abused and about how hard it was for her to get out of it. Um, because I think that just to what you were saying, that is how we pull back the curtain on this. That is how we start to empower victims. And that is how they are going to be able to break free from those abusive relationships. Um, so just a couple of statistics or facts that people may not know is that one of the things that I was maybe not surprised to find out is the time of leaving an abusive relationship is actually the most dangerous time for victims. This is, there's, there's, there's defiance in the act of leaving or in the act of, of ending the relationship that, that will incite the abuser. It can raise the level of abuse. So this, this critical time is what we're going to be talking about here in, in this podcast. So let's just start with perhaps first, though, a definition or understanding of an abusive relationship, because this is something I still run into people all the time who think that abuse is only physical. And it can be. There's, there's, it can be. And um, it usually will lead, other abuses will usually lead to physical abuse. But abuse can be emotional, verbal, psychological, sexual, even financial. Financial abuse is a real thing. And the more abuse you're willing to put up with, these lower levels, you know, that we think of as of abuse, the more you tolerate, the harder the abuse has to become because the abuser isn't getting enough satisfaction. If you're able to tolerate the verbal abuse, the financial abuse, it must necessarily escalate for the abuser to get any pleasure from abusing you. Does right. that make sense? Oh, it absolutely makes sense. It's sort of a continuum, unfortunately. Abuse may start as small things. You mentioned um, financial abuse, which many people don't realize is a type of abuse, but I would say, you know, listen to Dirty John um, or a story like that where we're dealing with a, a you know, a, an abusive narcissist. And it started in that particular instance with 
little things like t- cutting off your access to money. You know, money is power. So someone, when they cut off your access to funds, which almost every abusive relationship has an element of this, um, th- you know, that is a, a, an ongoing level of abuse that then that will start rising. But at, because it happens in increments, often the victim is not as aware as if all of a sudden someone just goes from being someone who is loving and caring and suddenly punches them in the face. You know, that, that's an extreme escalation, rarely happens. It usually happens in this step-by-step process. Exactly. And uh, financial abuse, I mean, I'm a perfect example of someone who was financially abused among other types of abuse in my first marriage. But um, I was of the mindset that, it was easier to keep the peace, right? And I tell my clients all the time that they say, oh, I can't believe I was so weak. I can't believe I let myself get into this position. I can't believe that I was so um, so vulnerable. And I go, no, so you were too strong because someone weaker would have, would have bailed, would have walked away, would have said, I can't handle this. But because you are so strong and you wanted so badly to fix things, and to make everything work, you stayed and you kept trying and you compromised and you gave up your power to this other person for the sake of keeping the peace, keeping everything nice for the children, for, for whatever reasons. So you're too strong for your own good sometimes. And that is, you know, that resonates with me. I, in my own personal situation in a prior relationship, um, gave up my job for a, a period of time um, at the urging of my partner um, who made a lot of money and was like, look, let's enjoy our lives. Let's go do things together. I can pay for everything. And I did that, you know, and, and I went from being, you know, someone who was in charge of their own life, their own finances to being dependent on someone without even realizing, I mean, he couched it in terms that made it sound like such a wonderful thing. And instead it was the complete opposite. It, it was right all of your power. Exactly. So I, I appreciate that you bring that up for people because, you know, even I fell for that. And at the time, right, my people, right? we're all me part of <laughs> I was a divorce attorney at the time and, and <laughs> fell right into it. Now, thankfully it didn't go on for long, but you know, so, so when to those of, you know, those listeners out there who are, are thinking I need to start, I need to get out of this. I need to start taking those steps. I mean, another element of an abusive relationship and, and especially since it's progressive like this is that people lose their power. They, they become, just almost frozen and don't know what to do. But if they are in a place where they know they need to leave, they know they need to get started. This is that critical time where the first thing I would say is you can't just just walk out the door and think that's going to work. Right. Well, if you've been a victim of abuse, chances are it's been going on a long time. If you're watching this, if you're out there researching, trying to find out what you should be doing, what action steps you can take. You, this has probably been going on a long time. And the abuses have probably piled one on top of the other on top of the other. So you, your self-esteem has been whittled away, right? You're probably feeling like just a shell of a person. You, you're totally compromised. Um, you're in a weakened state. You're not yourself. So you're very vulnerable. And 
it's hard to make this big transformation from such a weak starting point. So the very first thing when you're like, okay, this is not ever going to get better. And I need to take matters into my own hands here. I need to figure this out. The very first thing is to shift the way you see things and to shift your mindset so that you can become more empowered. So you can actually get through because if you're in this weakened state, if you try to take a one-off action, chances are it's going to be squashed. You know, you're going to, it's going to get sabotaged. You're not strong enough yet to follow through with whatever step you might take. So this is where I try to help my clients become more empowered. And the way we do this is, you know, it's a, it's a two, I say it's a combination of tough love and laughter. So I, I'm the kind of coach that, um, I'm not going to appease you. I'm not going to tell you what's going to make you feel good or be happy. I'm really going to tell it like it is. I'm going to give you some really tough love because I care because it's the only thing that's going to get you in a place where you can make some big changes. And that's why I call myself a transformation coach because I'm helping you reclaim that power. And laughter too is a really great tool to use because if we, if I help you see your, your spouse, your abuser as someone comical, I mean, the whole situation as just laughable, instead of being so cowering with fear, you, you can see this person as really weak. I mean, let's just say most, almost all of my clients are women, so they're married to men who are abusive. You know, it takes such a weak man to abuse a woman. So if I can shift the way they see him into someone pathetic and pitiful and laughable. I know another divorce coach out there who says uh, she tells her clients to call their, their husbands by his first initial, but it's a lowercase initial. It's not even a capital. It's just like, we want to minimize his effect on you. You just want to minimize um, how you see him because you know, these narcissistic guys, they, they present really like this grandiosity and, you know, all, you know, powerful and they're not, they're just so, compromised and weak and um and unsure of themselves really uh so it's all this big napoleonic thing that they're doing trying to be bigger than they are so if we can see them that way a lot of the fear can go away so if someone is now in that spot let's let's give them some actual like concrete tips about things they can do to start putting as we say in the title of this episode a plan in place for their escape Um, so what are some like concrete things that you suggest that they do while they're planning okay the very first thing you have to start thinking about is getting access to money because i mean that's just the reality you're going to have to spend money you're going to have to have access to it a lot of women in this situation do not have access to any money that the other, that their spouse can't see. Yeah. Um, So a nest egg is what I always tell clients. You need a nest egg. 
you have to start stashing cash and finding a way. And the other way, the other thing which goes hand in hand with this is you have to find ways of um, being on the DL. You know, you have to get secure so that you can communicate with, with coaches, lawyers, whomever, um, without your spouse knowing or seeing. So it means a lot of, and a lot of women, especially women my age, aren't as comfortable with technology as they could be. And, you know, it's like, I can't do that. But it's just fear of the unknown. Um, you have to learn how to use technology in a way that you can secure things. You can use the cloud. You can store things where no one can see them. Getting, uh, changing all your passwords and getting new a, a secret email address and you know like all these things that are very uncomfortable because chances are this controlling husband knows every aspect of your life and the thought of doing something that he doesn't know about is so far fetched to you, right? So we have to undo that fear around that first and um, reposition yourself in your mind as, you know, you're an adult, you're a grown up person. You have every right uh, to have an email account that nobody else can access. You know, you have every right to have cash that nobody knows about, you know, it's okay and necessary in this case. So it's, it's hard at first to even wrap your brain around that, but by working with somebody who gets the joke and, you know, these guys typically, um, they're all the same. Like if I know them now, I feel like I know each one of them because they're all pretty much the same. They have the same traits. They have the same, um, personality disorders. They, they react the same way to things. So, um, I can pretty much write the script on how they're going to react. So, um, it, we have to just think one step ahead of them. That's a key factor right there. And I, it's, it's important what you just said about the patterns of behavior that abusers show, because that is very much what I have found as well, is that, you know, especially with personality disordered people, which they, they are often abusers, narcissists, et cetera, they do follow very repetitive patterns of behavior. So educating yourself on that as well, working with someone who understands, you know, those patterns of behavior like you do, um, books like Bill Eddy's books, which I've referenced on other shows, getting that education on that type of repetitive behavior is important as well, because if you know what their patterns are, you can start predicting what they're going to be doing. And that helps you with the planning, right? Right, exactly. And so when my clients come to me and tell me the story of what happened when what, you know, whatever, um, and how he erupted and what the, what the conversation was like with Ari, and I can twist it now because I can point out that this is a typical reaction or a typical response or a tactic or whatever, and we can dissect it. And then it, it, it loses its power over you. You know, when you can dissect it and, and see it as just a typical reaction from someone who's got this disorder, um, we can start laughing at how predictable it all is. And it just sort of like brings down the anxiety level a bit. So, you know, when you have somebody who you can confide in, who can help you see that some of it is laughable, you know, it, it can just 
get you to a place where you can take it on. Yeah, that remind when I'm working with clients in my coaching, my legal coaching side of things, I have a tendency to say, well, isn't that textbook behavior on the part of your, and so now I have clients who will just like, and then he did this textbook thing and we will <laughs> laugh. Um, but, but the, the power in that is actually, I mean, it may be funny. It may deescalate or help you emotionally, but also understand the power in understanding their patterns. It gives you the ability to plan. It gives you the ability to know how you're going to deal with things rather than reacting to their behaviors. So I think that's a very important um, aspect of it. I'm glad you talked about that. I'd like to take a moment now to talk to my mediation colleagues. As many of us are facing the inability to continue our in-person mediation and dispute resolution practices, I want you to know there's an alternative option. Many of you do know that I have a fully online mediation and coaching practice, and for more than two years, I've actually been training other professionals in how to conduct their mediations online through my Learn to Mediate online program. I've always said that the future of mediation and dispute resolution is online, and now, honestly, that future is here. In my two-hour training program, you'll learn the basics of conducting your mediations through an online video conferencing platform, and I'll cover the practical and ethical considerations that you need to know to do it well. Right now, we also have several webinars scheduled, and we offer one-on-one -on -one and group trainings by appointment. I've reduced the cost of the webinars to only $299 so that as many of you as possible have access. So go to www.learntomediateonline.com to find out more and register today. Stay tuned for more from Susan and her guest, transformation coach, Victoria McCooey, on The Great Escape, How to Plan Your Exit from an Abusive Relationship. That defined who she became later. This will define who you become. Now, just think those lucky people we think who just waltz through life and never have an issue and they marry the right guy and everything's lovely and blah, blah, blah. Do they ever reach their fullest potential? I don't know. Um, it's hard when you're not challenged to ever reach your fullest potential, I think. So can is there a way to embrace this maybe and say, this is a really, big hurdle I have to get over and how I do this will inform who I become. If you are enjoying this episode, check out Staging an Epic Comeback After Emotional Abuse with Empowerment Coach Nikki Bruno. I'm on fire to talk about this. So <laughs> invisible abuse is as I defined it, is any type of abuse that doesn't leave a mark on your body, but that leaves a mark on your psyche, on your brain, on your soul, on your heart. And now we return to today's show. You know, one of the other things that in creating the plan um, that I wanted to touch on, you, you talked about, so let's talk about creating that nest egg. Understand that this plan is not going to come together overnight either. I have had clients, I have one client I'm thinking of who did not have access to any money, but knew she needed to have some money set aside. And so for a period of almost two years, every week when she went to the grocery store, she got cash back 
when she paid for the groceries. It was the only way that she could think of to access some cash where it wasn't going to be questioned by her very controlling husband. And it took a while for her. She she had a few other stores, but that was her main way of doing it. And some weeks it would be a little bit more, some weeks it would be a little bit less, but it was never enough that it ever raised his suspicions. Um, but it did allow her over a long period of time to create a nest egg. She planned her escape over that time period. I mean, it took quite a bit of time. And a lot of the time, these are things that, you know, getting educated, getting outside support, finding a place of safety to go to when you do decide it's time to leave. Um, you know, and remember, the other thing is, it's not just making sure you're safe. If you have children, if you have pets, if you have collateral family members who are within the purview of control of your abuser, you need to be able to plan for safety for all of you. So that's a part of this planning. It's not something that you're going to sit down and briefly do. It may take a long time, but there's but getting those first steps started, knowing what you need to do is key. Right. So just even listening to your saying that, I can just put myself in the place of one of these women who's a victim and whose self-esteem has been compromised and who's feeling really weak because you know what it does to you, that abuse. You, you get sick, you get tired, you get sick, you get depressed, uh, you get migraines, you, all these other things, health issues manifest. So she's really compromised and you're like, the thought of years of taking $10 back from, you know, is overwhelming. Yeah. It's like, throw your hands up now, because how can you ever do that? So I just want to, to say you, you absolutely can. It's, it's about seeing it from a different perspective. And there's this movie. I don't know if you remember, it's really old. It's called, um, double jeopardy. <laughs> and, um, Oh, who's the actress? Anyway, the the woman is framed for her husband's murder. He frames her for his murder. And then he goes live and lives this other life and she goes to jail. And anyway, she finds out that he's like living some other life. And um, so she, while she's in jail, she is working to get strong and to plot this plan. And like, and that's sort of like what it is. And so if you can see it as like, you're a character in, in this movie where you're plotting this, this crazy elaborate plan, um, you know, let's, let's try to help see it as like an exciting, positive part of your life. That, and this is the other piece I wanted to mention about the transformation. Even in Reese Witherspoon's interview, she said that defined who she became later. This will define who you become. Now, just think those lucky people we think who just waltz through life and never have an issue and they marry the right guy and everything's lovely and blah, blah, blah. Do they ever reach their fullest potential? I don't know. Um, it's hard when you're not challenged to ever reach your fullest potential, I think. So can is there a way to embrace this maybe and say, this is a really big hurdle I have to get over. And how I do this will inform who I become. That's powerful. That's very powerful. Because 
you know, it may be very hard for someone who's listening right now, who's in that place of despair, honestly, is where you go to when you're an abused victim, abuse victim, um, to understand just how powerful taking back your life is going to be, but it will, it's, it's going, we are, you are going to be changed. We all are going to be changed by all of the experiences that shape our lives. This is one of the most difficult things you you may do ever in your life, but look at some of the women that have survived that type of abuse. You have two of them on the screen with you right now or that you are listening to, Reese Witherspoon. When we were talking about Reese, it also reminded me of Holly Berry was in an abusive marriage at one point in time in her life and broke free from that that marriage um, after a period of time. And I've heard interviews with her as well. Um, and, you know, maybe these people are coming to mind. I, I, again, applaud them because they're women in a place of power and success who are still willing to be vulnerable enough to share that they were victims. But it's also something that then went forward in their lives, shaped them and turned them into some of the most successful women in the world. Um, so there is power in this process. You do need to take that first step and move down that path. Now, you, one of the things I'm so happy that we're going to be talking about today is I want to talk about your program because you have created a program that is literally that first step. It, it's the, the, the opening of the door to that freedom. So share with our listeners the program you've created and how it helps. Right. So I know that there are so many women out there searching, researching, trying to figure out what they need to do first. You know, do they go to a lawyer? Do they confide in a friend? Like, what is the right first step? So I created what I think is the right first step for them. Um, It's it starts with a two hour call with me. So we schedule a two hour session, phone session. You can be anywhere in the world. And I will walk you through the four, it's called the four crucial steps you must take before divorcing a narcissistic spouse. Um, Or I think it's abusive spouse is the title. Um, And we are going to go through these four steps together at length, in detail, fine-tuned to your specific situation, and I, you will walk away with the actual action steps that you need to take. Um, and I'll just, an overview. The first one is around mindset. It's the work you need to do to get your emotional place where you have to be. Because if you don't, none of the other steps will work. You know, So you have to get in the right place mentally and emotionally. Um, the second is... Um, is about getting security and yeah, figuring out how to use that technology so that you can do what you need to do without being found out because you need to keep the upper hand here. Um, you know, we're programmed by them to, uh, be an open book to share everything. So that's why the mindset has to come first because you have to change all of that. Um, you've got to keep some secrets. Well, and, and it's key when you're keeping those secrets that you know that you think through how to do it so that you're not in some way telegraphing to them that you are changing. Yeah. That is because that they are, you know, they know you, 
and they will stomp down on that. Absolutely. So I know you go into, you know, details on, on not only creating the plan and taking through the steps, but also keeping yourself safe as you do that. Right. Um, The third step is around gathering information and documents that you may lose access to later. Every lawyer is happy to hear that one. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care about the things that you can always access later. You know, it's not about getting all your financial statements. This is about getting the stuff that you're not going to be able to get to in a, in a hot minute. Right. Um, and the fourth thing is around how to choose the right lawyer, how to go about interviewing lawyers, uh, for your particular situation, because not every lawyer knows enough about this specific situation to really advocate for you. Would that be fair to say you're a lawyer? It's such a key point and it's so fair to say, and, and I mean, no, disservice to my legal colleagues out there. But, you know, when we go through law school, um, there may be some domestic violence trainings. Uh, Now, I know when I did my mediation training so many years ago, there was about a 15-minute segment in the mediation, 40 hours of mediation training that talked about domestic violence or abusive relationships. But Honestly, people, we don't get training on this. And, you know, this is something that not that many colleagues are well-versed in. And, and I think it's important to note, you, you said this before we started taping, um, but let's get this out there for the listeners. A, an attorney who doesn't understand what they're dealing with can make a bad situation worse much worse um, and not in an, in an intentional fashion um, out of ignorance for what triggers an abusive an abuser. So it is very important to know how to find the right attorney, how to find the right resources. Key is finding those who are educated and understand what you're dealing with. Right. Um, because you can just find yourself, uh, if you're with the wrong attorney, um, having two bulls just lock horns and cause a lot of unnecessary legal fees that you have to pay <laughs> um, and not get anywhere. Right. And since, you know, the legal fees are a key factor in this, because even if you've put aside that nest egg, it will go quickly if it's getting sucked up in litigation expenses. But honestly, litigation is is a tool that is used more often by the abuser to continue to abuse you than for a way for you to break free from the abuse. Um, and and that's that's a topic for a, a whole nother <laughs> podcast. But understand, you know, I just want to get that out there for people that um, that there is a great deal of of abuse that goes on in the legal system. That unfortunately, it's an adversarial system that builds upon abuse, not, not reduces it, not intentionally, but unfortunately that is the effect. So, you know, we, this is such an important topic and we don't have a lot more time, but I do want to make sure that people know how to get in touch with you and find out more about your program. So can you tell us? All right. Well, let me just, just wrap up the program. So it's our call where we cover those four steps and then I send you out and you go implement what we've talked about. And then we have a follow-up call. 
So then you schedule a follow-up 30-minute call with me where I can hold you accountable for doing the work. And also you're going to run into roadblocks, hurdles that you can't get over, questions will come up, and that'll be a chance for me to get you over those humps to finish the work. And um, the other great thing that I've decided to do is that um, if you then decide to hire me to, to enlist in one of my programs as your coach um, within, I don't know, a year or so, or I don't know, I have to think about that, but <laughs> within some time frame, I'll um, credit your account for the cost of this program. Oh, that's if, wonderful. If you then decide to, um, to join one of my programs. Oh, and I'm so glad that you, you mentioned that because that follow-up that you do with your clients, I think is probably the most important factor. Um, accountability in anything, you know, it's, it's taking the step of meeting with you for the two hours, getting the steps to go through. That's one thing. But how often do we, even in our day-to-day -day lives, take a first step and then, you know, it just gets moved into my pile of papers over here and right. doesn't go forward. This is something, especially when you're feeling disempowered or abused or are a victim, it's so hard to follow through, even if you take the first step. So that half hour uh, follow-up call, the follow-up um, coaching, so critically important. Um, so I'm, and, and then the fact that people can continue with you. You know, I don't know that everyone understands just how important it is to have a trusted guide through a difficult process. Someone who understands what you're dealing with. Well, I mean, I just think back when I was in that position, the first thing I did was go to an attorney and he happened to be the exact wrong attorney, but yeah. I had no frame of reference. You know, I just getting to that attorney's appointment was like moving a mountain, you know, just like trying to, <laughs> trying to coordinate something without my husband finding out and, you know, getting even the money for that initial consultation. It was just so much. And honestly, can I tell you what that attorney told me back? And this is way back before I live in New York, before New York was a no fault state. Oh. Um, I was telling him all the different abuses that were going on um, and how totally controlled and trapped I was. And, and um, his advice to me was that I didn't have grounds for divorce, but if I just waited sooner or later, he would hurt me and then I would have grounds. <laughs> Come back and see me. Come back and see me once he hits you. Yeah. Yes, that's nice. So that's, and I, you know, I remembered as you were just saying this, you had a divorce that went on for seven years, I think. The, the actual divorce lasted six years, but we continued to be in and out of court. We were still litigating for another, oh my gosh, another nine oh my years God. after that. Yes, yeah. because wouldn't pay court order, child support, constantly was taking back for, um, for a change in the child support, change in custody. I mean, it never ended. Never well, that's, ended. That, that's that abuse through the legal system that I was talking about. So um, you, you, you know, dogged my memory when you, when you said that. <laughs> so um, again, I, I want to make sure that people can get, you know, if there are people out there right now who need yeah. to take that first step, how do they get in touch with you? All right, you can email me directly at victoria at victoriamacui.com. Um, you can reach out to me on social media. I'm on Instagram, just Victoria Makui. You can find me there on Facebook, ask to friend me, um, reach out. 
through any of those networks. Um, also on my website, which is just victoriamcui.com, there it, you can find out all kinds of things, but also there's a click through right on the homepage that says free session. So you always can, um, can click and schedule a free session for me. And that is, it's not a coaching call. I mean, this is where you tell me what's going on and I tell you if I'm the right person to help you. And then if we're a good fit, then I'll explain to you the different resources I have, the different ways I, I help my clients. But it's a great first step in that, am I even the right person for you? And maybe I, if I'm not, maybe I can help you find the right person. That's wonderful. I'm, I'm going to put all of this in the show notes for listeners, but I so appreciate that you came on to share this and, and start people thinking because if, if there's nothing else that you get out there about this situation is take a look at Victoria right now, happy, healthy, in a wonderful relationship, wonderful life. I as well, you can get past this. It will happen. Take that first step. So thank you so much, Victoria, for coming Thanks on. Thanks for today. having me, Susan. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond.